Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara Kearney and I am your host. Hello and welcome to Book of Leaves, an Irish podcast where I interview people in Ireland or with a connection to the country who are doing something good for the planet and myself and you guys, the listeners, can take a leaf out of their book to add to our own way of living to make our own lives more eco-friendly, lighter on the earth and move towards the future we all want. Um, A couple of updates before we get into this amazing episode with Joanna, all about sewing, loving your clothes, loving your kind of body so that you're you will keep your clothes for longer I absolutely love this chat with Joanna so yeah can't wait to share that with you but before we get into that um a few little updates last week I Thursday and Friday I went to the Mary Robinson climate conference her first one she didn't organize it herself but the center in her name did and that was interesting I don't usually go to conferences and some uh, youth activists I met there was like this is one of the better ones um which is I mean Okay, so my issues, like it was a lovely conference and it was there were so many great people there. But there were two things that kind of marred it for me. One being there was a guy who got up who was like a geologist and he was talking about mining and that we actually have so many minerals in the earth that we're never going to run out of them. So that's comforting. That's a good thing. And overpopulation though, that really needs to be looked at. And then I was like, that is not the case. Overconsumption is the issue, not overpopulation. And then I looked, I read like his bio and he's like on the board of six mining companies and has been awarded for discovering places with mines and stuff. So I was like, what is this guy doing in the room? Because it's kind of like having an oil exec there. You know, I just had a Jerry McGovern on a couple of weeks ago talking about like how detrimental mining is and that we really need to make like a circular economy for this material. So yeah, that was one thing that I was like, oh, but as I said, there was loads of great stuff there. And then of course, the infamous um, moment where Susha Exton, who I've had in the podcast before and another two Fridays for Future activists, Jessica and Magdalena stood up while Eamon Ryan was speaking in the morning address on the second day. And the crowd didn't react that well to them, which shook me because I was like, surely everyone at a climate conference would be on their side. And no, but to be honest, in hindsight, I'm like, you know, thinking of all the cops and everything a lot of people are actually just really uncomfortable about protesting but I think I was so shook and I got so emotional and upset because I had just come from spending amazing time with activists in Clock Jordan and like spending loads of time with people in Extinction Rebellion where there is space for people to air their grievances and their anger and their frustration and their joy for the planet so I was just not expecting resistance for them. I didn't even know it was going to happen, you know, but when it happened and I heard their reaction. Anyway, there's a whole thing on that on my Instagram, but I did want to um, record like snippets of people while I was at the conference and maybe because I got some new equipment that I could, you know, do a little mashup of lots of little uh, leaves or suggestions from people attending. And then after that, I was like, no, fuck that. I actually want... um 
to interview one of the activists instead because they weren't really listened to and if I can listen to them then maybe that's something so I'm gonna have Jessica on in the next episode instead of a mashup I only got a couple of little bits anyway um but I'd rather just have her on for a full episode so that's what next week next two weeks in two weeks is gonna be because this is released every second Monday now I know I've kept you for a couple of extra minutes there um and yeah for anyone who doesn't know if you ever want to jump ahead I know I'm kind of saying this too late but if you look in the description of the podcast I timestamp everything so when Joanna starts talking or when my interviewees start introducing themselves and the various topics we discuss so if you're here and you're like hey I don't want the personal story I only want to know the suggestions or solutions and things that I can do then you go and look at the at the description and you'll see how far into the episode it is um please do follow me on Instagram um I would say Twitter but who knows what's happening there maybe I'll have a threads account soon um I'm on Facebook you can email me um bookofleasepodcast at gmail.com and I have a website as well that you can see the show notes in full if you ever need to and I've linked everything that Joanna mentions in the show notes below so any other businesses or whatever you'll find them below and if you are in a position that you can support this podcast financially, that would be very much appreciated. Um, I used my some money that I got for my birthday. Um, well, all the money I got for my birthday to buy new podcast equipment. So, yeah, that was lovely. But if anyone would like to help me when it's not my birthday, you can do so on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash book of leaves. And I have a buy me a coffee as well. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash book of leaves, which is for once off contributions if you can't subscribe, which I totally understand. Not everyone has the means to do that. And if you haven't, please share the episode, share the podcast, recommend it by word of mouth to other activists or friends or family members that you know. Um, that would be very, very helpful indeed. And of course... Um, I'm also aware that um, how could I almost forget, how could I forget that this uh, week has been quite um, or last week rather has been quite dramatic for news events so I'm trying to share like a little bit of negative news a bit of you know like we broke the world record for the hottest average temperature on the planet since records began two days in a row last week which is which is really a lot like that's a it's like oh fuck it's happening you know so um I just am mindful that I want you to mind yourselves but I've also been been like fact this I'm so quiet around my friends and my family that aren't in the activism movement so I've been sharing a little bit more on my personal Instagram and I'm going to be bringing it up in person a little bit more being like yeah this is really serious and in northern Spain there's been flash flooding like and this is all very common now so uh, I've been encouraging people to join movements and maybe you can do the same so it, it doesn't have to be Extinction Rebellion it could be Sea Shepherd it could be Clean Coast but like I think people need to kind of get out there and start meeting people in communities because we can get stuck in our own little bubble so mind yourselves though like if you I'm also being kind of wary not to take in too much negative news because then you're defunct (laughs) well not you but I get defunct um and yeah hope and positive stories are very important for charging us but I also need my friends and family to know how serious it is so anyway I've talked for long enough at the intro of this this is Joanna. I hope you guys enjoy and we do talk a little bit about menstrual cycles in this and for any um, lads listening, 
like stick around you know it doesn't <laughs> it's good stuff for you to know as well you know how our bodies work and that and and if you want you can just get past it okay thank you so much for tuning in here is Joanna and I'll catch you at the end of the episode So my name is uh, Joanna. I grew up in Poland. Uh, I moved to Ireland uh, almost 20 years ago. Mm. I feel very old right now. My background is very corporate. I had uh, kind of an executive roles in my past until I became a mom. And that was kind of uh, one of, uh, of my pivot points when I started being a little bit more aware of my own consumption and what I'm exposing my kids to. So that's where I started leaning back into sewing. The love for sewing came from my mother. Uh, I grew up in a very poor country and a sewing machine and sewing wasn't this fancy hobby that people did, you know, Mm. to kill their time. It was a necessity. We had to fix things and mend things uh, because we didn't have much and uh, a a sewing machine was a part of just like you know we have washing machines and dishwashers in our house which we consider basic yeah it's the same with the sewing machine uh, how I grew up so exactly uh, so I kind of watched my mother and my grandmother um, uh, make things mend things my grandmother was oh my god she was even more crafty than my wow. mom I was a predominantly a dressmaker but my my grandmother could make lace she could crochet she could embroider uh absolutely amazing stuff so that's, that's the kind of family I grew up uh, so no wonder in. this is the the <laughs> the avenue then you went down so you you said that like it was having children that kind of awoken that um oh my gosh need, needing to be more aware of I guess yes. the so environment I, and stuff, yeah. Mainly environment, but also uh, kind of more of an awareness. Um, one of the again side effects of me turning towards uh, zero waste, as much as I hate that term, mm. that I did not expect was the mindfulness. Because I've seen this even at the at the festival this weekend when we uh, when we were there, that the mindfulness is just not there because uh, we get puzzled I saw people with their containers after eating their dinners and mm. um, going to the bins and being so overwhelmed you know what bin is what mm. and they would then just throw it wherever because we get we don't give ourselves you know that's that a little bit of space mm-hmm. to be mindful that's the exciting side effect. So my pivotal point. So as I said, I come from a very corporate uh, background. I worked in procurement for big multinational corporations, mainly in electronics. Um, I traveled with work a lot. I lived in a suitcase two weeks mm. uh, of the month. This is how I came to, to Ireland and they relocated me here for my skills. <laughs> Very good. And and then so very high salary, high consumption, uh like living in the plane. Mm-hmm. So my carbon footprint was through the roof. And then I had children and then I kind of stopped for a minute to, you know, have a think about it. Uh and uh, definitely changed my ways. I wanted my children to be more, more mindful. I didn't, I researched absolutely every single thing. 
really wanted to lower our, our carbon footprint. So mm-hmm. from the start, we used uh, cloth nappies, uh, cloth wipes. So everything was reusable, everything in my house and still is. We've never, I've never really used kitchen towels uh, or, you know, yeah. I never really used baby wipes. So that was very much a pivotal point. From there, I I progressed uh, in my own journey. I switched to reusable menstrual products, which was a revolution. I started being more aware of my cycle. I have two daughters, so I it was very important to me to educate myself yeah. in the area of menstruation and how our cycle works, which is probably why you're not getting the best of me today because I'm <laughs> very menstrual. <laughs> But you see, it's so good that we know this. I was talking to a friend over the weekend at a festival and she was like, she she maps everything in a um uh in her journal. And so she knows she's very much in tune with her body and then like won't go into work. Oh, look, you've got a journal. It's my journal. Wow, love it. Yeah, and I mark, uh, even though I'm not, uh, like fertility is not, is no longer important to me, but mm. I do like to know where I am in my cycle. And I do, I did, uh, I did a lot of work to educate myself i think there's not nothing more creative in life than the menstrual cycle what makes Uh, it say creative that's an unusual word that people wouldn't often associate with a menstrual cycle that is because we need to allow ourselves to die right the menstruation uh when you're in the winter that's the mini death uh, Mm -hmm. and that's where we literally uh die and then get reborn in the spring that's for me is the creative part right where you have to allow yourself to reborn and to create again Mm. right because that's how the cycle works like seasons of the year yeah yeah so through blood we're born again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i'm really big into it so um so that brings me to the the birth of my second daughter and when I swapped to reusable menstrual products and I was so hyped to let people know about this because I had no ideas about any uh, alternatives and it was just a huge change not only for my comfort not only for the environment but for my uh, well well-being as well uh, so I started um, a little bit of activism and I don't know how far you scrolled uh, how far back you scrolled on my Instagram feed uh, I used to make and sell uh, reusable menstrual pads and I would put uh, controversial images on my pads oh no I didn't see that I saw that you make them as part of your sewing classes but I, I'll have to go back and have a look now Oh, very good. But I can send you pictures. Mm. So I started um, putting like uh, Frida Kahlo on them just to start a conversation, right? And then <laughs> I went a step further and put a an image of Virgin Mary on my pads and I called <laughs> it a Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, uh, this was my way of activism uh, this was you know that hashtag just exploded I got people asking for interviews uh left right and center uh, and it was 
it, it, it exactly this was exactly what I wanted I wanted to start the conversation and mm. to start to talk about it um some of them got very angry with me because I we do live in very much Catholic island yes uh, but I got a lot of love, a lot of love, uh, a lot of attention uh, in a very positive uh, way. That's amazing. So I'll, send you, I'll, send, I'll send you the <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to see some of those. That's really, really cool. And before like, I'd, uh, we go on to kind of, I guess, some more of the the fashion and mending side of things, you, you were saying that you don't like the term zero waste. I can imagine why, but can you tell us why that is? Like why you don't like using that phrase? Okay, this brings me back to the kind of mantra I always tell in my classes as well. And this is uh, very much how I live my life as well. So the, the first thing you will hear from me if you come to my sewing class is that perfection does not exist. Okay, mm-hmm. there is mm-hmm. there is very little perfection uh, in, in you. Will, you will find perfection in nature. Okay, but to strive for perfection in our life, you set yourself for failure. So to say that you strive towards uh, zero waste it's not black and white and zero waste is not achievable mm-hmm. so it's setting yourself uh, for a failure which i don't like to do i saw this lovely graph about you know how much we learn from our successes comparing mm-hmm. to how much we learn from our mistakes okay mm-hmm. so i don't have a better term than zero waste uh, sadly but i do not like that term because it's like in in behind it, uh, it there is a failure which yeah. I don't find uh, inspiring. I totally get you. I think it's important to kind of hold that because to hold the two together, like yeah, we can tr- strive for zero waste, but I mean, reduced waste just doesn't have the same range. I know, to it. <laughs> I know, there isn't. Uh, yeah. there isn't. So I don't, I don't have a better term, but uh, that's my mind. So that brings me to the little sewing mantra that I always give when I start a new term of uh, term of classes. Mm. I tell my students that there are four things they need to remember in my class, and the first one is that perfection does not exist and the second is um well in my case there is always more fabric but in in any creative pursuit we have this moment when we feel very precious about ingredients whatever those ingredients are if you take up cooking if you take up crocheting or whatever we feel that oh what if i screw it up Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um and then that brings me to the third point, which is making mistakes is how we learn. And it's essential. We, we, we leave the education system being taught that we will get penalized for making mistakes. But uh, in so fact, uh, it's an essential uh, part of learning. You, you, we will never learn if we don't make mistakes. And uh, my fourth point is, again, kind of undoing the education system mantras. And that is that practice makes progress. Love it, because like, uh, yeah, because yeah, perfectionism is something they said you don't try for. No, so that is no, yeah, that's, and, that's and, really I, lovely. and I, I always say to my students in sewing and in life, everything is fixable. There is this book um, that I read, everything is figure figureable. Uh, you can figure out anything in life, and this the same applies to sewing. Everything is fixable. Just go for it. <laughs> yeah. So with like anything in life, I'm sure when you started your podcast, you you had this fear of, uh, oh my goodness, what if nobody listens? Uh, mm-hmm. I still um, have that fear, but I'm just yeah. like, I'll just do it anyway. <laughs> you just do it anyway. So exactly. true, yeah. And we always look for space, be it the space in our head. We declutter our house to find mm-hmm. a little 
physical space, uh, right? Or even give ourselves a little space in our head before we do anything. So if we give ourselves uh, that little uh, space that usually comes with a lot of grace Mm. as well. That's so true. So you end up then after two kids and you have this lovely kind of like zero waste, reduced waste uh, journey that you're on. Um, you now are doing mending and sewing classes um, in Cork, isn't it? That's where you're living. In Cork, yes. Yeah. Uh, we live in Cork. Uh, so I started, so when my first daughter was born and I gave up my work, I started making things and I the the joy of creating was just so much that I was just making way more than I needed. <laughs> so I ended up gifting things to friends and friends being friends, uh, being very kind, uh, would say, oh my God, this is great. You should sell it. <laughs> which is the worst advice you can ever <laughs> give any creative person uh, so I tried that and it broke my heart because uh, uh, you know the, w- one thing that fast fashion uh, does from my perspective it devalues the craft mm. entirely uh, so for me to be paid for the true cost mm. of my work, you know, people weren't prepared for uh, for that. So I tried for many, many years uh, to do different things, little craft markets. Uh, and then that brought me to the pads and the pads, the activism of it was just exhilarating. And uh, that stopped uh, in pandemic. I swapped from making pads to making masks. And then I kind of lost heart for it uh, along the way. And pads have become very much uh, mainstream right now so yeah it's that's so really, true which is fantastic which is I am so happy to see that um mm. so my older daughter is 12 uh so I started and the, both kids are in school so I started kind of craving going back to doing a little bit of work outside the house uh, like I've done I've, I, I do work here and there uh, with few companies but I kind of wanted something that would be mine the classes were born I teach very little so I don't make a huge amount of income it's not what what this is about for me Mm. but I at least I'm paid fair uh, price for the time I put in into Mm. them yeah again the the sewing again is more about activism for me to bring this craft back because that craft is forgotten because one thing is um the sewing itself but another is the value of the craft uh, mm. which uh yeah i get very emotional and very angry like when the Shein pop-up shop uh, was open in in cork and i saw the queues outside and the conversation about uh, fast fashion and how also from a perspective uh, of a plus size person and people saying, oh, we need Shein because, you know, because of the size inclusivity, this company didn't get to $30 billion business from people who, who are limited with sizes in, in um, other companies, right? But the glasses were born from me me trying to monetize my craft in, in the way that wouldn't poison this beautiful escape I have for me. So I'm very protective uh, of my sewing. So my sewing, my dressmaking is 
for me you can't you can't have it mm. yeah 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 <laughs> I don't sew for anyone else because my sewing is um it's like painting okay I I know people often say to me oh you you're into slow fashion and yet you make so many clothes but it's like a painting a picture I have this mm. vision of a garment in my head uh it has to be born in my creative brain before mm. I figure out how to translate that and and make it it's like painting a painting this is yeah. this is my art That's and it's beautiful. my headspace it's my mindfulness practice and can you tell me a little bit about why it's important? Because I know obviously reconnecting with the scale of sewing is good. Uh, mainly because we need to slow down. OK, so people often say, oh, I can't afford ethical clothing brands. And that's valid. OK, mm-hmm. so if you if you go to pennies and you buy a dress that you absolutely love, you see this dress, you put it on yourself, you go to you, you're in the changing room, you're looking in the mirror and you think, hell, yes, I love this. This makes me feel fantastic. Go for this. Go for it. Go for this feeling. Go for this garment in your wardrobe that will make you feel fantastic. OK, mm-hmm. But do you feel fantastic if you have 20 of those stresses in your wardrobe? So my message is to have your wardrobe work for you. Because if you have a wardrobe that is that is bursting with clothes that don't work for you, that is not sustainable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Buy one thing in, in pennies that you think is going to be good addition to your to your wardrobe instead of buying, uh, you know, having like Two hundred dollars uh, hauls from Shein. That's mm. like, you know, thirty garments, uh, which is uh, it's wild. Is, yeah, there's there's just not more, as much kind of like just, importance, you know. But also, um, I know I have made many t-shirts. I have made many dresses. If I see a dress that costs six euro, I know that someone has been abused along the way because it does not cost six euro to make a dress. That's hours of work, mm. hours of work of a per- of a highly skilled person, person who knows these clothes are, are going to be sold in Shein and we will treat them like rubbish because mm. they are rubbish. They They know these people are so highly skilled, so good at their craft. They can turn hundreds of garments in a day. That is amazing skill. And those amazingly skilled people make clothes that they, how how is that good for their morale mm. to know that we will treat it like rubbish? It will end up in the bin. My sewing classes take two and a half hours. And in those two and a half hours, we usually finish a an, an object. Like we could make a little zipper pouch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the people who come to my class then know that it took them two and a half hours to produce that zipper pouch that they can buy for five euro in pennies. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they pay 35 euro for the class to me. There's cost of the uh, the materials, the materials, your time, the venue. You yeah. know what I mean. So mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, that's one aspect of it. Uh, there's many. That's one aspect of it, and hopefully people then understand that if you pay six euro for a dress, mm-hmm. there's problems along the process yeah. of that dress 
because it's not like the money that that dress is getting is going directly to the person who sewed it either like it's going to pennies or sheen it's going to all of the people who work in that company then it's going to the transport it's going to the people who supply the garment or grow the cotton which is they only get a tiny bit as well and it's going to the people who run the factories or sweatshops um where they work so it's like it's it's not as if like you buy a dress for six euro and they only get six euro for like however much work like it's it's splintered off and they get yeah they don't get paid very well and Sheehan recently did an amazing PR stunt where they invited influencers to their factory in putting air quotes here in China to show how you know amazing their practices are and yeah I talked a little bit about it on my Instagram I just thought it was absolutely diabolical yeah it was just obviously it's a paid partnership so the people the influencers going are going to they're just advertisers so they're going to obviously not say anything bad about Shein when they're paying an all expenses trip for them to to go there but how did you feel about this like what was your reaction I just thought it was was, mind-boggling I was angry there's many aspects so I have mentioned I grew up in a communist country so for Mm -hmm. me this whole uh, stunt it was propaganda Mm mm-hmm it was just pure propaganda and one thing we have to give uh, Shein they are amazing at uh, uh, marketing, mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. The conversation about uh, plus size fashion and mm. exclusivity in the market, which is a, a huge problem. Uh, okay, but These influencers, you know, kind of twisting the conversation. Oh, but we need Shein because, uh, you know, first of all, people can't afford clothing. Okay. Shein did not get to $30 billion company. Uh, from people who can't afford, afford clothing, all right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all the all the stuff that is not necessary. Then the the size inclusivity, which ugh, okay, <laughs> I can't even. And I I recognize that it's a problem, especially mm-hmm. in Europe. In t- in terms of size inclusivity in Ireland and in the UK, it's much better than it is in in Europe. And I can see even see that when I purchase uh, sewing patterns uh, from European uh, brands, from from mm-hmm. French designers, because you know I do have a big mouth and I question things. I do ask questions. Yeah. You know, like I. Um, size 16 and in most of European um, sewing pattern designs I would be the biggest size that's wild that's wild that right? like 16 so is so I, normal I did, and the people designing have this mindset that uh, statistically we're trying to cater for the statistical woman and mm. um, you are not one of them Mm. we just have to stop slow ourselves down down you know which is why I teach sewing and promote sewing because you kind of have to slow down otherwise you're going to lose your fingers (laughs) (laughs) that's so true and can we talk to me we were talking a little bit about before we started recording like why are the classes that you do and the work that you do not just focused on mending from like an obviously ego-friendly point of view and skill point of view like what else does this mean to you in our relationship with our clothes and our wardrobe so in my classes uh, each term which is usually a month i i have classes where you just come in and create something okay mm-hmm. you leave my class 
with a finished uh, uh, product. And that is to, to give people the sense of accomplishment that mm-hmm. they have created something with their own hands. They came to my class, didn't even know how to thread their sewing machine. And then they leave with a zipper pouch or maybe a tote bag or whatever it is that they have created with their own hands. So that's mm-hmm. another aspect of it, the sense of accomplishment. And we don't get that uh, in many areas areas in our lives these days because we have forgotten that we are creative creatures if you go back a couple of generations you know our ancestors were they carpenters no they weren't but they had to figure out how to build their house Mm -hmm. so the creativity is in our dna and every time i talk about sewing and people say to me oh i wish i had a creative bone in my body like you do but you do yeah everyone does you know, bring it back and, you know, leave the fear of failure of screwing up the materials and just go for it. Yeah. Uh, so mindfulness, the sense of accomplishment and then uh, body confidence. That was uh, the third thing I, I gained uh, from uh, from sewing for many years. I would go on diets. I joined a slimming world after having kids. I oh, I've, the things I've done up and down. And I have reminders all over my body of all the things I've done to my beautiful uh, body. Just to come to this place where I am now, that place of acceptance that this is my today body, the body that that has done amazing things for me. It has given me children. Like my body produced humans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. ultimate Mm -hmm. creativity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so true. (laughs) Um. Uh, so yeah body confidence uh you just kind of detach yourself from you know am I size 12 am I size 8 size or the American size Mm. zero um uh, you switch to body measurements and they're just numbers and after doing the work on um educating myself on the menstrual cycle side of things I do and I do know that my body measurements are going to be different depending on the time of the day. Did I have a big lunch? Uh, did I skipped lunch? Mm-hmm. Uh, or where I am in my uh, cycle as well. So I know that it doesn't matter that, you know, my bust was 40 inches yesterday. It might be 42 uh, today because I'm heavily premenstrual mm-hmm. and my boobs are swollen. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And you were saying um, when we were chatting earlier that like, and this was such a lovely thing to hear, that we are doing these things to mould our body to fit into, we crave to fit into a size 12 or size 14 or size 10, whatever it is. But like everyone, no matter what those numbers are, everyone's shape is completely different. So what you're doing in your work is instead of getting your body changed to fit into clothes you're changing the clothes to fit your body yeah so my classes are a mixture of um as i said creating things as i can give people a buzz of li- leaving the class with uh with uh, something finished but we do a, a lot of um upcycling um, uh, projects and every couple of months i do run an alteration class where you bring a piece of uh clothing usually my 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 students bring many 
<laughs> See how um, you can fit in. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, the last time I ran that class, uh, one of my regular uh, ladies, she brought a couple of things. One of them was a dress and she wanted to change so many things about this uh, dress. And it was a room full of women, eight women. Okay, she put on that dress. I said, put it on and we'll figure out, you know, how to get where where you need to get to. Mm. Long story short, after collective chat about this dress she ended up not touching it and being in love with this dress mm. because we kind of talked her out of having issues with this uh, garment which is lovely thing I don't know if you I'm sure you have attended uh, swap shops and uh, mm-hmm. that's that's one thing that happens as well this communal you put on something there's usually no changing room so you put on something and you're like oh gosh I'm not sure and then you know people give you advice left right and center Mm -hmm. uh, which kind of gives you confidence boost so yes I try to teach people that once you have this beautiful skill in your hands everything is fixable it beats the fit or the style or you know whatever it is you can be your own fashion designer and design things for your own fashion sense and your today body. Mm, that's beautiful. And so have you got any kind of tips to help people have like a long loving relationship with their clothes? Because obviously that's the most sustainable wardrobe is the one you already have. How do we keep our clothes for longer and and feel good like absolutely love them as you say uh, like if it's a hell yes anything not a hell yes is a no <laughs> how how yeah. do we get and there? I teach my teach my daughters uh, that as well we often go it. to charity shops uh, as well and uh, my nine-year-old um like parading charity shop with something on and says mom this is a hell yes <laughs> love it <laughs> I love that so uh buying secondhand um you know there's enough uh clothes in circulation so uh, buying secondhand is um number one way of having more ethical uh wardrobe and there is a uh, thank goodness there's so many people uh reworking the clothes even in Ireland there's beautiful businesses who flip the clothes so to say they buy Mm -hmm. the clothes they fix them and uh, and I do that I work with a lady who owns a a children's wear a second-hand children's wear uh, shop she calls it a pre-loved clothing where I provide the love she sources the clothes I provide the love and then we resell them to the clients Uh, her business is called Kind Folk she's Cork-based children's wear pre-loved children's wear uh, shop yeah and we do communion wear uh, together as well there's a lot of uh, very exciting things happening in the the pre-loved uh, area there's a lot of shops reworking the clothes um so if you have things in in your wardrobe that are good quality that you no longer serve you uh consider instead of just dropping them to a charity shop <clears throat> consider those uh those businesses because they will get more love there is a little bit more work uh required in in doing that but uh it's uh, worth it so if you're buying good clothes if you're buying new clothes uh buying good quality is definitely preferable because it will stay in the market for longer and favoring natural fibers um uh, that's another thing i am very passionate about i do i have stopped wearing synthetics uh sadly my kids are in the schooling system and i bang on about it i have a letter drafted and um, that i send to schools every single year 
so that they consider changing the uniforms uh, because garment industry is uh, responsible for uh, 20% of all the water pollution. Mm -hmm. And that comes both from dyeing um, textiles, but also from uh, microplastics. Sadly, the cheap clothing, the clothing uh, we buy from Shein, Primark, all the uh, fast fashion uh, brands, it's all predominantly uh, polyester. Mm-hmm. And polyester is plastic. And every time we wash it, they shed microplastics, which are, we don't even know how big a problem microplastics no, are. No, we're finding them everywhere. Um, yeah, it's so new. I read a statistic that we ingest a credit card uh, worth of microplastics every single month. Whoa. Because uh, it's in water stream. So yeah. it's in food Your tea stream. bags. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. And that brings me uh, to ch- re- changing our washing habits as well. We uh, overwash our clothing. Like I am very passionate about uh, fibers. I uh, I don't uh, wear uh, synthetics. And I have, I think I've gotten to the point where I have made my body uh, intolerant to synthetics. Wow. Or maybe it's because I'm 45 and kind of <laughs> heading towards menopause. Uh, I just, my body breaks in hives and I sweat terribly mm. if I... <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so getting these natural fibres is so important. Yeah, like, and then, you know, you, you just have to be conscious about the life cycle of things and what is going to happen to that garment when it's no longer good enough to be a garment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's a natural fibre, then uh, it can just uh, decompose. It can be composted, and... yeah, exactly. Yeah, so be mindful. Even when shopping secondhand, um, I I check the composition la- labels, and I always favor natural fibers. I know they require a little bit more love and a bit more ironing, uh, but <laughs> you know this is another way where we can just slow down in life. Mm-hmm. Nothing bad about that. Uh, washing less. So a lot of clothes are not designed to be washed as much as we wash them. Like for example, denim. You you're not really supposed to wash your denim pants uh, like once a week. Uh, if if you have a bit of mud on, you know, the backs of your trousers legs, you can just, you know, spot dry, uh, spot mm-hmm. clean. We don't do that anymore. We see uh, one little stain on our clothes and we just throw it in the wash because mm. it's an, an easy thing to do. But again, just slow down a little. And um, if if you spend good um, good amount of money on your on your jeans, they aren't usually cheap thing to buy, right? No. So don't wash them too often because they will not serve you for as long as could. So wash less, wash at lower temperatures. Be mindful about natural fibers. If you have sweaters that are uh, made from acrylic, acrylic would be even worse than polyester in terms of uh, shedding microplastics. Consider washing it less. It's synthetic. It really does not need to be washed as much. And there's a thing as well. You can get um, filters for your washing machine that you can put on and they'll take out the microplastics. You attach it to like the plumbing part. Yeah, but then what do you do with that? Yeah, you have to keep buying a new one like every couple of months, you see. I know, but... Yeah, you have to dispose what those filters yeah. can. You do have to dispose that. Yeah, uh, so they, uh, yeah. But I think so, it just stops you know, them going into the water. Like, absolutely, no, nothing is perfect. No solutions. Yeah. Uh, I use a guppy bag, um, which is like, I put it, put my polyester acrylic clothes in a guppy bag, and that kind of collects 
them again it's not like now I only buy second hand now or from I don't know really ethical companies when I have loads of money which is not often but yeah those little steps can kind of help but yeah ideally you'd be cutting it off at the source and not washing it ideal but you know that it is a a solution uh, which is out there uh, thankfully but as I said you know, favoring natural fibers. And I'm absolutely fascinated by textiles, uh, like all the properties and uh, the natural fibers have, mm. uh, like all the hemps and wool. Wool fascinates me endlessly. The versatility of it is uh, is unbelievable. But again, uh, you know, to buy a hoodie that's made from wool, that's an investment of 400 euro right mm. uh, so that isn't necessarily something that's uh, available to many people mm. then you know do you need to have five uh, hoodies in your, your wardrobe isn't it maybe better to have just one that's made of wool anyway it's uh there's no ideal uh solutions just being mindful and then uh repairing your clothes and learn how to repair your clothes yourself but if that's not something that's available to you be it you don't have the time or inclination maybe it just does not interest you there's loads of alteration centers Mm -hmm. all around the country so consider getting things professionally uh, altered uh, to fit your today body I know I keep banging on about (laughs) our today bodies because we don't need to change our bodies uh, to fit our clothes. It is way easier to make our clothes fit us. Mm. Uh, so that's one thing I, I try to spread awareness about uh, in my classes. That, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's so true, though. Yeah, you can't be buying clothes for a vision of you that you won't... That isn't... That might not exist. Like, you have to be kind of accepting yourself today. And I struggle with that sometimes because sometimes I'll see someone... Like, I have no bum, Joanna. Like, I have a, a minus bum. So I would see another woman wearing something. I'm like, oh, my God, her bum looks great in that. I want to get that thing. But then, obviously, her bum is a completely different shape to mine. So if I was to get that thing, it would it look at all the same like everyone looks different in clothes like so yeah mending clothes and making them fit like your body now making your body today look as great as it can be or as great as you want to feel in it is yeah so important and also understanding uh what uh works for your body uh, mm-hmm. which is another thing that I have done I have attended one of those um online uh style schools which is a fantastic thing to do or even like color analysis you know that those kind of Mm. like or a lot of shopping centers and I have done that uh, as well like I have no interest in shopping in Zara but there is I know there is a um, personal shopper Mm -hmm. that you can book for free within a shopping center Mm -hmm. you can book a a session with personal shopper and you don't have to purchase they, they don't work on a commission from yeah, yeah. the shop they are paid a salary by a shopping mall uh, so it, it doesn't cost you anything and there is no obligation for you to buy anything but you learn so much about what looks good on you and a lot of us you know don't have a great understanding of how to be in proportion like flattering I don't use that word uh, okay mm-hmm. but you need to s- stay in proportion and understand your body like for example I have no waist you have 
no bomb. I have no waste. I'm up and down. <laughs> so I kind of, to keep in uh, in proportion, I have to go for certain styles yeah. uh, that work uh, for me. Or wear things with that will show off my cleavage because uh, I, I have great boobs and that's <laughs> yeah. from me not having waist. So understanding your body and, you know, just uh, if you don't have the budget to hire a stylist, you can do those things online. They're fantastic gifts, by the way, you know, online session with a stylist or even go the personal shop. Uh, yes, personal shopper route in a, in a shopping mall. Um, it, it, you will learn a lot about uh, your body and what looks good on you and what will give you those hell yes feelings uh, mm. going for those are such good tips I love it and then before we start kind of wrapping up um if people do have like a hole in a jumper or holes in anything or seams coming apart or zips coming out like obviously YouTube is my best friend in these situations oh, yes. but yeah. have you got any kind of like tips or anything um in that regard I know it's kind of hard to share all like hourly when people are listening to this and can't really see but yeah if you have anything to share well my tip is go to a sewing class there's many of them available all around the country it's uh, it's fantastic you know the the 20 minutes it will t- take you to resew a button on your shirt maybe not 20 minutes i'm exaggerating but it's just this you know those little moments minutes. Yeah, yeah. of uh of slowing down you know people say oh i don't have time uh for this or for that like every time i post a picture of my bullet journal people say oh i don't have the time time is kind of the point you know, there's always time. It's it's how we manage uh, mm-hmm. our time and how we prioritize our time, uh, because often enough, you know, we aren't mindful about how. And this brings us. I keep banging about the mindfulness. <laughs> because, uh, we're not mindful about how we use our time. Uh, we have all the time. We have time for all of the things. Mm-hmm. We manage our time, and if we prioritize uh, our time, I've set um, timers on my phone for just about anything. And listen, if I need twenty minutes of mindless scrolling down uh, Instagram, it does me good sometimes. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. my guilty guilty pleasure, but I do. I am mindful about you know how much time that takes. I have. Uh, uh, I have started my Instagram when I started sewing, and so my feed is very curated mm. and like focused on sewing. And I actually enjoy uh, scrolling down my Instagram. Well. Just oh yeah, back on the fixing thing. So if yeah. you if you can go to a sewing class, go to a sewing class. If you can't go to it, you can book one online. There's plenty resources like Domestica or Skillshare. You can you can take online classes. Uh, if you don't have money for that, YouTube. It's amazing. You can find just about anything uh, on YouTube if you want to in- invest in having that skill yourself. But if none of this is available to you, there's plenty of alteration centers all around the country. People highly skilled, uh, highly knowledgeable that will m- make sure your your clothes fit your uh, today body and work for you and will work for you uh longer like reinforcing seams so they don't keep popping and all that kind of stuff all all those uh people working in alteration centers have amazing skill so use it love it and a quick one about fabric and because obviously if people want to buy get new fabric to make their own clothes um like i saw uh 
uh, Taz from the Useless Project made a dress out of curtains that she found in a charity shop. So charity shop is, is obviously really good. Or have you got any other kind of sources that you use for kind of natural fabrics in that? Uh, so my favorite resource for fabric uh, is bed linen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love bed linen, and you can find uh, bed linens uh, in uh, charity shops. This uh, removes the the feeling of being precious about resources because it's something you can buy cheaply in a in a charity shop, and those usually are things that have been washed quite a bit, so they're nice and soft. Um, so bed linen. The problem with curtains is that these fibers are not designed to be washed. And so they will uh, lose the colors very quickly and uh, they they can sometimes uh, get kind of out of shape um, a little bit quicker. Also, curtains, you would struggle to find uh, natural natural fibers, sorry, in curtains. Uh, But definitely, if you want to, you know, just dip your toes in it and make a a shopping bag, a a curtain, fantastic idea. And uh, charity shops, you can uh, rework things. Uh, you can buy things that that don't necessarily uh, fit you and alter them to your size. Other than that, there's a um, sustainable fabric shop uh, in Ireland run by a lovely lady called uh, Stephanie. I think Stephanie's uh, German. Uh, so she sources predominantly from European sources and all of her fabrics are uh, sustainable. That is her angle for her shop. Uh, mm. The shop is called uh, Fabric Romance and she's based in Galway. Oh, that's a good, really good resource to have. I'll link that in the show notes for sure. My God, Joanna, there's so many things that we could talk about and we could go on for so long but I'm conscious of time and I would love to time travel with you speaking of time into the future when everything has worked out and I know you were talking about mindfulness before but if you put yourself into the time when this has worked out and when people you know have upskilled and people are comfortable in their own clothes and climate change is no longer a threat and there's food sovereignty and all these amazing things can you paint a little picture or describe what you see or what's one of your favorite things about this future oh wow uh we we worry so much about the the ugly uh, side of that picture isn't it that we uh, don't really allow ourselves uh, to visualize that uh but uh yeah i i see us you know sharing our resources i see us uh you know swapping clothes and finding our own style, styles and being comfortable in our bodies and um, one thing uh, it's definitely a Polish uh, way of doing things is the hand-me-downs and Mm. when I look at the pictures of my friends children and my own children I see the same pieces of clothing in these in these pictures and different children that it just Mm, makes mm. my heart sing um because I know I've, I've seen that in my own pictures as a child when I was given uh, my cousin's clothes and all that and that's lovely and us ditching this awful uh quest of changing our body to fit the society to fit you know us trying to please everyone around us mm. and forgetting to please ourselves I what I want to see is you know women standing in front of the mirrors and shouting hell yes that's what I want <laughs> beautiful I love it so much um what is your website and your Instagram that people can keep up to date with 
Oh, yes, thanks. Uh, I am uh, Joanna's Feeling Crafty on Instagram and Joanna's Feeling Crafty on YouTube. That's uh, where I'm, uh, I'm most active on the Instagram, um, a little bit on YouTube. I do have few, uh, if you can't, if you're not in Cork and you ca- can't make it to my classes, I do have lovely, a uh, few lovely tutorials, uh, sewing tutorials on my YouTube channel that uh, you can use to dip your toes uh, in a little bit of sewing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Much, Anna, and hopefully I will see you in Cork one of these days for one of your classes like I'll have to make a trip down okay now like I said she was just unreal to talk to so friendly and hopefully when I go down to Cork I haven't been down to Cork in years I'm going to see if I can book uh, one of her one of her classes um, so I'll link everything that she said in the show notes um, including all the little um, businesses and stuff and yeah just start mending start loving yourself and have a let's have a good relationship with our clothes you know it's like having like like 10 best friends instead of like a 100 acquaintances you know value the relationships that we have with our clothes and yeah hopefully you were able to take some leaves out of Joanna's book thank you so much for listening don't forget to find book of leaves online instagram and patreon is there patreon and buy me a coffee are linked in the show notes as well thank you so much for tuning in i had a pleasant time in your ears and i just hope you have a lovely two weeks mind yourself and if there's any questions you want me to ask jessica the activist from the uh, from fridays for future who was at the mary robinson conference let me know send them to me and uh, likewise if you have any suggestions or people that you want me to interview in future let me know get in touch okay thanks so much for listening i'll take care i'll take care you take care okay i'll talk to you soon bye